We're in a series called Making Space, as you can see, where we are wanting to, to look at the Proverbs and seek God and, and get wisdom on how to make space for what matters most in our lives. And as many of you are very aware, we can be very, very busy people, so busy that we don't even do the right things. We don't make space for the most important things. And I, I know as I've studied and read biographies of, of uh, people years ago that walked with the Lord and uh, really God used to do mighty things through their life, one of the common themes that you'll hear through all their lives is uh, they were committed and devoted to prayer. Uh, in fact, many of them will say, the busier I get, the more I had to pray. The more work I had in front of me, the more prayer I had to do. And so I want to encourage you as, as you think about what we're making space for, Prayer is the wisest thing you can do. Prayer is the wisest thing you can do. In fact, throughout the Proverbs, you have two pathways. You've got the pathway that leads to life and the pathway that leads to death. The pathway that leads to death is the, the pathway that you do whatever seems right in your own eyes. You basically seek no counsel from God or His Word or anyone else. But the pathway that leads to life is the one that seeks counsel from God and His Word through prayer as you seek him and cry out to him, and also through others who love him, seek him, and cry out to him. And so prayer is absolutely imperative to live the kind of wise, life-giving life that God wants you to live. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Prayer is the wisest thing you can do. And the reason why it is, because at the heart of prayer, you're admitting you're not God, and you need him. So it's like, when I pray, I'm saying, somebody outside of me, bigger than me, more powerful than me, more wise than me, more capable than me, is who I need right now. And so when I pray, I'm, I'm acknowledging I'm not all those things, but God is those things, and I need his help. So I'm acknowledging I'm not God, I'm acknowledging I need God, and at the heart of prayer, that's what it is. It's a, it's a cry for God to be God in my life. And so if you've never, if you don't do that very much, I encourage you to listen closely today. There's a lot of good practical stuff you're going to learn about prayer. I want to also let you know our elders take this very seriously. Right now, during the gathering, behind the wall back there, there's an elder, probably an elder and wife, leading a missional community, praying for the entire gathering through the whole thing. And we're so committed to praying because we believe God has to do the work to change a heart, to, to transform our lives, that we believe we need to be praying through the entire gathering, both gatherings, we're doing that. And you're welcome to let us know what you'd like prayer for, by the way. If you want us to pray specifically for needs in your life, just email us at prayer at doxa-church.com, prayer at doxa-church.com, and they'll be praying for those prayer requests for you during the gathering. Uh, if you want to grow in learning how to pray, pay attention to when your missional community is invited in because we're inviting missional communities to join this time in prayer together so we can all learn how to be better prayers. And what I've heard is that most people were quite surprised at how enjoyable it was. I think sometimes we're intimidated. How in the world are we going to pray for an hour and a half? And what I've heard from all the reports is people are just blessed, encouraged, didn't know how enjoyable prayer could be. So if you want to grow in your prayer, that's a great way to do it. Uh, it's just by praying with a group of people who will help you learn how to do that. Now, there are many reasons to pray. We aren't going to be able to talk through all of them, but we're going to talk through four that really stand out in the book of Proverbs today. Uh, one is that we pray, pray for guidance from God. Two is that we pray for help from God. Three, that we pray our confession of our need for forgiveness. We, we acknowledge our brokenness. We acknowledge our sin. 
And then four, that we know we need to commune with God, that ultimately prayer is about a relationship with God and not just a transaction. So that, that's where we're going. We'll start with guidance. And I want, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Proverbs chapter 3. We looked at this last week together. I want to look at it again. We won't be lo- starting in verse 1 like we did last week. We're going to start in verse 5. So Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. That last part, in all your ways, acknowledge him, is another way of saying, talk to God, commit to God, submit to God the things that are in front of you. Let him be the guidance for you. Let him be the one who shows you where to go, shows you how to take steps, shows you how to move forward. And we do that in prayer. It's really an exhortation to say, Start to devote all of your plans to God and say, God, direct my path. Show me what you want me to do. Uh, I, that's one thing that I, I will say is I've, I've been blessed in, to, to be married to Janie. I have watched her do this in the big things. I've watched her do it in the small things. I've watched God consistently show me how to walk more dependently on him by being with a woman who loves to pray. And so I'm eager for you to hear about that more. But I want to read one other verse Uh, about this, and that's in chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, just turn over a couple chapters. Chapter 16, verse 3. First of all, we pray for him to guide our steps, and then second, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Not only does God want to guide you, but he wants to establish your plans. He wants to bring fruitfulness into your life. He wants to enable the work that he's leading you to do to be done well with his help. And uh, even as we walk through what, what does it look like to move from Tacoma, and that was a big part of our journey, is just, God, we need help. We need your guidance and your direction. Yeah, in all your ways, acknowledge him um, has been huge for me, and just this time last year when we were, we were praying through coming here and moving here, um, I kind of had my feet buried in the sand, and <laughs> I was pretty comfortable in Tacoma, and um, it really hit us out of nowhere, yet I could feel the Lord tugging at my heart saying, this is, this is going to be, there's a change coming, and um, this, this had to be practiced, and in my relationship with Jesus over the years, he's taught me that he cares about the little things as well as the big things. So the first, first thing I needed him to do was convince me that, that um, and give, give me a love for you people, for the people on the east side, a foreign land that I had never been uh, experienced. I mean, you think that you crazy you foreigners, a foreign you. land. Tacoma's its own beast, but, um, but just, just not wanting to come at first. And so there, the first thing that happened that was significant, it was probably this time, exactly, this month, I had prayed. I said, okay, Lord, I feel you're calling us, and if you want me to go, then you need to give me a love for these people because um, I know that that's going to be baseline. It's going to be necessary. And if I don't love these people, I'm just going to be doing a job, and I know that that's not your heart. So you're calling me to a people. You're calling us to a people. And I had woken up early in the morning, early in the morning that morning had, and had committed this to the Lord, and I actually I held my hands out, and I said, I, I give you this, Lord. I give you this. I, I, um, I need to know that, that we're supposed to go. And before this, I, I had said yes to Jeff. I said no first. I said nope. Hang up the phone. Nope, it's not happening. <laughs> and then it came back, and he's so patient. And, and then I said, okay, Lord, we'll go, but we won't move. We can make the commute. He can make the commute. And um, 
So that that's kind true of, story, by the way. This is that's kind of the, <laughs> the posture I had in my heart and in my mind, and I, I just really felt like that's the that's all I can give you right now, Lord. That's the mm. honest truth. That's all I can all I can give you. This is too huge, too too significant for me. And so then I knew that that wasn't right. And you guys, you know, you pay attention to your feelings and your responses to even your own decisions, and you know in your spirit, okay, Lord, uh, you're trying to to talk to me about something. So it was early in the morning, I opened my hands and I said, I give you, I give you us moving there, Lord, but you have to give me a love for these people because if I love the people, I'll want to go. I want to want to go. And so I fell asleep and he gave me a dream. And I'm not gonna share the dream with you, but this was the first significant event. Um, when I woke up crying, I woke Jeff up and I elbowed him and I said, you won't believe what God just showed me. It's beautiful. I love these people. They're people just like us. I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> you guys probably think that about everybody in Tacoma too. They're people just like us. We're all people. And so I just really felt like that was the first thing. So then my mind, this was last November, my mind kicks into logistical gear. All right, Lord, you're calling us. So what about this, 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 and this? Doctors, schools for our kids, where we're going to live. And if you're like me, you know, I mean, like, our tendency is to go online and start talking to people and, and, and um, Googling best school district, best neighborhoods, safest neighborhoods, and all that. Hmm. And, um, and I didn't do that, largely because that was all overwhelming for me. I thought, I'm just, we're transplanting our entire life here. And I don't even know where to start. So I was a bit overwhelmed. So I said, Lord, you just need to direct our steps. You need to, you need to, to, um, I need, I prayed first instead of like processing and strategizing and then saying, Lord, bless these plans that I've made. I want to go to this school, make it happen. I want to live in this neighborhood, find us a house in this neighborhood. I really was, I had nothing. I'm like, pick a house, any house and lead us to it. And Romy was part of that. Our realtor was part of that process. God just, God, God just brought her into our life, and she was, she's been excellent. So mm. amazing. And, and through those circumstances, the Lord, um, the Lord has shown me bit by bit, piece by piece. We were kind of living moment by moment, at least I was, day by day, moment by moment. How are you going to provide for us? Um, one, one significant thing, the Lord was really in the details. I, I just, after the, just before the kids started school, I was really obsessing about finding a doctor. We had great doctors back in Tacoma, and I just, I was like, Lord, this is, this is hard. And I was asking people, and I wasn't finding anything. I'd even made a call to a doctor's office, and I didn't get a good vibe on the phone. I'm like, well, forget you. I'm not going to your practice. You know, I don't remember <laughs> what she said, but she just wasn't helpful enough. I don't know. But I wasn't feeling and I was like frustrated I said Lord where is this doctor that where is it in all of this region what doctor should we be at not who's even the best doctor but but where do you want our family because you guys it's about the people right it's who he wants us to minister to the neighborhood we live in the schools we go to it's it doesn't matter that they're the best house the best neighborhood who are the people that you've called me and pre-purposed for me to be ministering to and so I shelved it. I was frustrated one morning. I was like, I got stuff to do today, Lord, so I'm going to shelf this. I just, I don't want to talk about it for a while. I'm not sure. <laughs> It'll happen when it's supposed to happen. And I really put it at rest. Well, that afternoon, I'm in the, it's the day before school starts. I'm in, in the haircutting place uh, with my kids. And there's another mom over here, and her girls are getting their hair cut. And we strike up a conversation, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm new, I'm new around here. And my kids are going to be going to this school. And then she goes, oh, yeah. She goes, have you found a doctor or a dentist yet? <laughs> I said, no, funny. I was just, um, actually, that's on my, I said, actually, that's on my list of things to do. 
So she goes, I have the best doctor. Rave about him. Let me give you all this information. Long story short, I called. I was like, here, it's a family practice. They have specialists that are, I mean, everything that I needed was in this condensed little package. The Lord brought her to me. The Lord opened her mouth. He answered a prayer that I had shelved. And long story short, we found the most amazing doctor and kids dentist that um, apparently he's taking patients just while we were calling him and he is one of the most sought after doctors in Bellevue and convenient and Jeff's already seen him and he even remarked when he came home he's like I have never had a doctor experience like this before I feel like he really cared about me I feel like we were conversing we were he he saved us money mm -hmm. in his treat I mean he didn't send me to a specialist he said I would send you to a specialist but I already know what's wrong with you so here go to the store buy these inserts for your shoes and da 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 and so that, that was huge. I'm trying to hurry up because I'm blabbing now. But this is huge. But, but I want to close by saying, like, God cares about these details. And when we acknowledge him always in everything, he meets us. And sometimes we don't even, we don't even speak the prayers that are on our heart, and he even answers those. He answers those. Yeah. And then he makes you aware of the fact that he just answered them. Yeah. So. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want you to notice something. You're gonna, you're just gonna, if, you, if you get to hang with us a little bit, you'll hear this. Janie talks about the Lord, God, about Jesus, like he's with her. He is. He is, exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's the point. But a lot of us, prayer is like a practice we engage in maybe once in a while. What she's talking about, this is what I want us to really hear today. This is, a, this is a relationship. This is an ongoing conversation we have with the living God who wants to guide your steps and establish your way as you follow him. It's just what a privilege that we have to have that kind of relationship with the living God of the universe. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Don't, I mean, it's the wisest thing you can do to talk to the God of the universe about your plans and say, God, would you guide my steps? Would you establish our way so we walk in a way that's giving life to us and to others? And, and I don't know if you noticed it, but there's this idea of calling out for God's help in the everyday stuff. I want to just go there. Like, not only is he here to guide you, but he's here to help you. Listen to Proverbs 2. We, we talked about this last week, but I want to highlight a part of it again. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining, inclining your heart to understanding, yes, and I, don't miss that. He's saying, listen, God's speaking. He's talking to you through his word through his spirit who applies his word to your hearts. That's part of prayer, is listening to God. So incline your ear to hear. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, cry out, call out for God to help. God, we need you. These are things we're facing. We need your help. Cry out for him. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, because he gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I want you to hear this. God wants to help you in everything, in everything. And his help is worth more than all the money in the world. So you've got the riches of God's help ready to be given to you if you just call out for him. And he wants to help you. And he wants to help you in the everyday normal stuff of life. Now, you know, he, 
He cares about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Some of you don't have many, but, but he knew what you used to have, right? Like, he knows that. He, he knows your thoughts. He knows every way that you take. He knows you, and he cares about you, and he wants to help you. And you need to cry out to him for help. I, I love the fact that God is ready to respond when we cry out. In the book of Daniel, God, ref God uh, makes reference and states this quite often. Um, I am the Lord God and there is no other. And this is a beautiful phrase to me because in all of God's in invitation to us, in Isaiah it says he's, he invites his people, come let us reason together. In the NIV it says, come let us settle the matter. It's an invitation to talk with him and discuss things with him and to, to relate to him and listen to him. And... Um, I love that phrase in Daniel because it, ultimately he wants to, us to be praying. He wants to be working in, in our prayers, through our prayers, to answer our prayers so that we and the people we tell about these remarkable things he's doing will know that he is the Lord God and there is no other. This is bringing glory to him. Um, I have a, a cool little story, and, and, and I want to say one thing that the Lord taught me to practice a while ago just to be practical with you for a minute is turning my thoughts into prayers. I don't know how many of you guys, um, he just gave me that phrase. Like, I was kind of doing it, and then he's like, this is what's happening in your mind, Janie, and this is what I want you to tell people to do. When we think about things, we, we spend so much time, even like having a conversation, oh, I'll pray for you in that. We go away and we think, oh, how, how would I advise them? Let's see, what should I say? Maybe I should say this. Jeff said this one time. I should, that was good. That sounded good. I should say that to them or whatever. And then we say, God, I'm going to go back to this person, and I'm going to, I want to tell them this, this, and this, and what Jeff said was cool, and we ask God to kind of bless our, our advice and our wisdom instead of saying, Jesus, Jesus, I need you to be in this. I need you to be leading me even as how, I to, how am I to pray for this person? What do they need? Only you know, know what they need. Um, thought, anxious thoughts, waking you up in the middle of the night. Are you anxious? My kids are lonely at school. Turn that into a prayer. Lord, my kids are lonely at school. Lord, are you with them? Have you left them? Make yourself known to them. There's a difference between, between being anxious in your thoughts early in the morning and trying to mull over and figure out what you're going to do or how you're going to solve these problems and communing with the Lord. The Lord, will, he will wake you up. And if you are waking up early in the morning and not able to go to sleep, there are worse things could, that could happen because the Lord may be calling on you to just talk with him or listen to him mm. and any sleep you lose would be well worth it he'll mm. give you the strength to make it through the day mm. but i did want to share a little story with you just um practically speaking i took my daughter haley to camp when she was younger and they were probably girls were about third grade and we were in the cabin and third fourth grade we were in the cabin one morning and one of the little girls emma couldn't find this coat that north face coat that was expensive and she was really worried that her, she, my mom will kill me. You know, mm -hmm. I hope my kids ever, never say that about me, but I'm sure they feel that sometimes. My mom will kill me <laughs> if I don't find this coat, and I don't know where it is. It's been lost for three days. We were going to be leaving the next morning. We were getting ready for breakfast, and, and I said, okay, well, we're tearing everything apart looking for the coat. And then finally I was like, let me pray. We're going to pray. We're going to talk to Jesus about this and ask him to help us find this coat. So I stretched my hands out. I prayed. I said, Lord Jesus, you know, da-da-da. I don't remember everything, but I said, Lord, help us to find this coat. We need you to lead, lead us to this coat because we don't know where it is. In Jesus' name, amen. And I said, God's going to help us find that coat. Don't you worry. You guys head down to breakfast. And then I said, 
not just said that out loud. I just promised these little hearts that God would find this coat. And, what, and, and then I said, Lord, I, so the girls left and I start walking. I said, Lord, if you don't find that coat, I'm going to look bad and you're going to look bad. We're going to look bad together. You got to help me. I need you. There's no other option. I want, I want them to know that you are the Lord God. And so I'm walking down this path, and I'm like, where do I even start? Where do I start? And, and I just felt the Spirit of God lift my head up and say, look to the left. And I looked over, and it was a physical thing. Like, I looked over and saw this little blue heap a football field away, or half a football field away. Started walking towards it, and I thought, oh, it's a towel, because these little girls leave their flip-flops and towels all over the camp, campus. <laughs> and so I was assuming it's a towel. I get closer and closer, and it's her coat. Yay. And I grab yeah. it. Yes, God did this. And, and I grab it. I'm like, I'm having this little worship session. Like, oh, Jesus, thank you. You saved me. You saved me. But, but better yet, I get to go tell 10 little girls that you are God and there is no other. Yeah. So I brought the coat into the dining hall and I pulled it out from behind my back and I gave it to her. And she's like, oh, this look of joy and relief. And I hugged her and I, I told her in her ear, I said, Emma, Jesus wants you to know that he hears your prayers. He hears your prayers and he cares about you. He cares about every little thing that you care about. And he wanted you to have that coat today. So, uh, See why I love her so much? <laughs> I'm a blessed man. Yeah. I, but one last thing. Yeah, Sorry, I had one more you note go, there. Go for it. I was just going to say, you know what? <laughs> Maybe I'm repeating myself, but I want to emphasize this. He wants to be known. God wants to be known. He wants us to know him. He wants these little girls to know him. He wants them at a young age to know that he is God and there is no other. He wants that for us. Yeah. And so pay attention to the happenings in your life and acknowledge God in those moments. They're not little mistakes. They're not little coincidences. This, and I do this with my kids, I'd probably drive them nuts. This was God. This was nothing short of God because he cares about these details. Yeah. And take yeah. it away, Jeff. Yeah. Please hear that. He cares about every little detail of your life. Learn to start devoting every aspect of your life to him in prayer. Don't be afraid to ask him for help in anything you're facing. And maybe even now you're listening going, man, I, I go to so many other sources for help before I go to God. He's like the last resort instead of the first. And, and maybe you're even going like, well, yeah, Jeff, you don't understand. I mean, if I start going to God with everything there's stuff I don't want to talk to him about. There's stuff that's hidden. There's stuff that's concealed. There's, there's stuff that I don't want him to be aware of. And first of all, I want to let you know, God is the God who sees everything. You're not hiding anything from God. He sees everything. He sees your heart. He sees your thoughts. He sees your steps. He sees every anxious thought. He sees every behavior. And you, some of you are going like, whoa, that's why I didn't want to come to the gathering today because I didn't want to remind myself of that. But here's the thing I want you to hear. He is eager for you to reveal to him what you think he doesn't know. He's eager for you to say out loud the things you've kept concealed in your heart because he wants to heal you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free from the things that you're afraid he might find out about. In fact, Proverbs 28, 13 says this, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. God wants to give you mercy. He wants you to experience grace 
He wants you to be set free. He wants you to come out of hiding. He doesn't want you to feel like you have to cover up anymore. In fact, Proverbs 15, 8 says this about our religious rituals. It says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. And that word upright in the Proverbs is the one who doesn't have it all together, but the one who knows he doesn't and is willing to talk to God about that. That's the upright in the Proverbs, is the one who acknowledges they need God's help. And I just want to encourage you, I, I, don't, don't put on the facade of a religious behavior or a practice to cover up what's deeply broken or wounded or sinful in you. Don't, don't go to church to cover it up. Don't read your Bible to cover it up. Don't do spiritual activities or good things to cover it up. Bring it out. Not only should we go to God for guidance and help, but go to him and confess your sin. The reason Jesus went to the cross is so that you and I could be set free from the guilt and shame that sin produces in our life. He was naked and ashamed on a cross so that our sin would be put on him and we would not have to be afraid anymore, but we could be naked and unashamed before a holy God. That's what he's done for you. And he not only did that for you, but he also paid the full payment due for your sin on the cross so that you wouldn't have to have any guilt or any shame. In fact, the, the writers of Scripture say it in a variety of ways, but the particular one in, in Hebrews tells us that because of Jesus being that perfect high priest who presents himself as the sacrifice that God is pleased with, we can now approach God's throne with confidence and boldness with any need we have and not be afraid one bit that God is going to come against us because in Jesus, he's completely for us. We have that access to go, God, help me. Here's the sin I'm concealing. I need you to cleanse me of that. I need you to set me free from it. I don't want it to define me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, one of the things I love about Janie is she has been so incredibly impactful on this one in my life to say, don't hide anything from God. Bring it all out in the open. He's not, he can handle it. He can handle our sin. Mm -hmm. uh, I just love the way you've, you've encouraged me in that in so many different ways to be honest about my struggles with God. I want you to tell them about it. Cause, yeah, cause so it's not always easy uh, to be honest about our struggles, as, and especially with other people, but even with God, I think sometimes we can, we can um, kind of sidestep the real issue and ask him for help but not really get to the, the meat of what's happening in our heart. And a lot of times I know in my own life, maybe it's true for you, maybe not, but it's because I don't necessarily want to give up what I'm about to confess to God, that I there's still part of me that wants to kind of hold on to it and hang on to it. Um, and over the course of the years, God has taught me to rethink who he is in my life. I, I kind of always thought, if, if I give God an inch, he's going to take a mile. If I confess this little thing, he's mm. going to grab me, he's going to pull me out, and he's going to say, see, you are doing this, and it is wrong, and it grieves my heart. Shame on you. And he lately, over the past few years, has been the, the rescue arm saying, child, come out of the darkness and into the light. I'm not here to shame you. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Yeah. He's our savior. Mm -hmm. There's no shaming. We do that to each other, and it's wrong. So when somebody comes out, like when your spouse comes to you to confess that they've done something or thought something or, or said something or, or whatever, or struggling with something, you don't shame them. And Jeff, Jeff I have a, an example of that happening in my life. Um, so, so God is this rescuer, and 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 there's ease in coming into his presence. He wants us to see things through the light. He wants us to have the mind of Christ. He wants us to see our sin for what it is. 
because most of the time our sin is pretty darn attractive and appealing, and this is why we struggle with it. So many years ago in our marriage, I struggled with be, being attracted to another man outside of our marriage. You can't imagine why. I've got this lovely specimen next to me here. Um, but it was my struggle early on in our marriage, five, six years into our marriage. And it really tripped me up. Um, being a pastor's wife especially, I thought, this is not good. This is not good. And I, at the time, I even think at the beginning, I thought, this is not good because I'm a pastor's wife. This does not look good on Jeff or anything. So I was having this secret struggle. Lasted about a year, and the Lord built up in me the resolve. And, and what would happen is, this man didn't know anything about it, but it was my own personal, like, I was attracted to him. I was aware of his presence in the room. I would dress accordingly. I wanted him to think I was pretty, all those kinds of things that go through your mind. My mind hadn't crossed the threshold. It was more of an emotional, intellectual attraction. It hadn't crossed the threshold um, of, like, fantasies towards him, but I could tell that it was moving in that direction, okay? So I was having to fight these thoughts off. So about a year into it, the Lord really impressed me. You need to talk to Jeff about it. I was like, oh, man. Oh, he's come to me with stuff. I got credit in the bank, right? Lord, he's come to me with stuff. So he's got to be gracious to me. But it was, so, it was so good for the tables to turn on me because I really felt like I felt what it was like to be in the shoes of, of the spouse having to come and confess that you've done something wrong. And it's, let me just tell you, men and women, it's a humbling experience, and you just feel shame and all these things. So the Lord gave me the courage to do that, and I thought, if I, if I confess this to him, it's going to go away, right? Lord, you promised that. I really believe that. And it did for a little bit, but then it started creeping back in. So this is a two-year bout in my marriage where I struggle with this. Led up to another year, and I'm like, really? Oh, Lord. So this one morning, I, I, I was driving to work, and literally the, the battle in my mind was so fierce that I was, like, sweating. I'm like, I want to lust after him. I mean, that was the battle in my head. I want to give in to these thoughts. I want to give in to this temptation. And so I, I had a ritualistic prayer that I would pray as advised by my fellow Christians, although I hadn't told anybody. Jeff, Jeff um, was the only one that I had told, and I had told one other friend. You combat your temptations through prayer, right? So I, was, I started praying. I would pray for his wife and his kids and his family. Oh, Lord, pray that they would, they would strengthen their marriage and all these things. And so I started doing this ritualistic prayer, and I stopped, and I, I stopped in the middle. The Lord stopped me from praying. And I threw my hands up. I said, who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? I don't want this to be true for him. In fact, I want quite the opposite. I want you to break up their marriage, and I want him to think I'm more beautiful than his wife. I started to become honest, and it was gross to me. In the moment when I'm speaking these, I'm driving to work, I'm speaking these things out loud, and I'm, I'm like, that's what I, if I'm going to be honest with you, Lord, that's what I want, and that is wrong. That is wrong, but I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of this. So the Lord led me to pray. It was really cool. He, he gave me a line in my prayer that I believe was from his spirit because it stuck with me, you know, 15 years later. I said, I said, Lord, in the Psalms it says you satisfy the desires of the righteous with good things, right? So the good thing in front of my face right now is to give in to this lust because I get some satisfaction and gratification out of it. So you've, you've got to pull me out of that thinking, I don't know how you're going to do that, but you've got to show me what good things do you have for me if I'm going to forfeit this sin, if I'm going to forfeit this pleasure. And I was able to articulate the, these things to God, and I said, I, I don't see this sin as ugly, and I want to see it as ugly. I want, I want to hate this sin, 
more than I love the feeling I get from indulging in it, because that's temporary. So the Lord allowed me to pray that. As soon as I said that, it left me. It left me for mm -hmm. good. It was gone. Praise Jesus, because, and I don't know yeah. if there was some demonic attack involved in that too, but I, I take full ownership for my engagement in that. Mm -hmm. But it was a moment where, and I want to challenge you guys to say, if you can't say, God, take this from me, you can at least pr pray the baseline prayer. Is I, I know your word is true. I know what you have for me is good. And I want to want this to go away. So let's just start there, Lord. Mm. And so I was able to pray that. And that changed my life. Because I've been able to apply that not only to, to lust struggles over the years, or, but to anger. I struggle with anger, you know, and, and, and it borderlines hatred towards people that bug me. Not, not just bug me, but like people that have deeply wounded me and hurt me. I'm so all about justice that, that I've had to really cry out for God, help me to forgive. I don't have it in me to forgive this person. I need you to supernaturally impact me and just change the way I think about this person. And he's faithful each time. And it's not like these struggles go away, but I, I've practiced over the years, and he's been so precious to me and teaching me how to combat these things in a pure way, in a right way, in an honest way. So I say, if, if, to confession and repentance, you can't repent until you fully confess the truth. Not confess what you're doing, but the truth about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Not confess, I'm looking at porn, but say, I want to look at porn. And that, that is wrong. Yeah. So to repent and to turn from your sin, you have to have been able to conf confess the truth of your experience. So, no. there you go. So great. I, I just God's grace is so rich and so amazing. And I don't know the beauty of the of confession is confession that leads us back to asking for help. And then in in that asking for help, we want him to guide us and lead us. And so can you see how these three all work together? And at the goal the goal of all of this, just so it's clear, is that God wants to commune with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. In fact, uh, Proverbs 15, 29 says this, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And you know, I've been talking about how you read the Proverbs. And if you look at this one, there's two phrases. The first one is, uh, is helping you understand the second one. In other words, God's far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. You should also read that to say he draws near to the prayers of the righteous because it's the opposite of drawing far. That he's, he's far from the wicked. And so what, what the Proverbs are telling us is God wants to draw near to you in your need. As you confess your sin and you ask for help and you want his guidance, you don't just get an answer to your prayer. You get God. God's the answer. He's what you need. In fact, if I could just encourage you, make sure you understand the goal of your prayer is God. That you get him. Uh, this is the, the thing that you've continued to remind me of over and over again is it's, it, God wants my heart because he wants me. Not just a transaction, but a relationship. Why don't you share a little yeah. bit about some of that in, in your life? Yeah, I love, I love the thought of just a picture in my head of Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden. And I've asked the Lord over the years, especially this last couple of years, I've said, Lord, what does that look like in today's day and age? What does that look like to walk with you? to pray unceasingly, to do all these things. And, and he's like, it, it, it is what it is. It's walking with me that not a moment goes by that we're not aware of God's presence in our life and we're not acknowledging him in some way. And I shared with the last gathering too, like even as I'm speaking with you, you know, 
you can always be nervous before you go up and be like, oh, what do I say? And it's the Lord is guiding me. I'm praying while I'm talking to you. I'm like, Lord, what do they need to hear that's different from the first gathering? Because these special people are here who have come to hear at this gathering. What do you have for them? Um, Psalm 27, 8 says, You have said, Seek my face. My heart says of you, O God. I, or my heart says of you, Your face, O Lord, will I seek. I was in a, a small group leading a bunch of high school girls um, several years ago when we were living in Chicago. And one of the gals was so sweet. She said, um, she said Isn't it awesome how God asks us to seek his face? Not to, to seek his, his hand, his back, his, his side, or just even like mingle in his presence, but to seek his face. And I thought this profoundly impacted me because I don't remember what she said after that, but I kind of went into this little daydream. I thought, oh, what does that look like? I'm a visual person. So I was like, Lord, what does that look like? And I pictured myself coming up to God in a garden and tapping him on the back and saying, God, God, hello, I'm here, I'm here. He has his back turned to me and then just kind of waiting and being like, awkward, you know, um, okay. <laughs> So, hello, hello, I'm here, I'm here. And then him still not turning around, you know, just being like, okay. But having the posture of a little puppy dog and, and saying, okay, well, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait for God because I know he's real. I know he loves me. I know he's there. And I'm not going to play this pity party like, oh, where is God? Where is God? And determining in my mind. So, so I'm standing there and I think, oh, well, I might as well sit down. This might take a while. So I look around and I find a rock and I sit down on a rock and I just sit there and I will wait for you, God. I will wait as long as it takes. There's no one else but you. I'll wait for you. And then the Lord turning around and looking you in the eye. And you know in that moment, when you, you guys, when you pray, 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 and you feel like God's not listening, the moment he answers your prayers, Something profound happens in your heart and in your mind. You're like, yes, you're real. I knew it. I knew it. And you want to tell somebody. Mm -hmm. I pray you'll experience that because it's life-changing. So he turns around, looks you in the face, and, and it, it, strike, it strikes me to know, you know, like when you're in a conversation with somebody, you can, you, can, you can say, hi, how are you? How's your day going? But you're not really looking them in the eye, but you say, how was your day? How was your day? There's a completely different chemistry between us when we're looking each other in the eye and when we're talking to each other. It's intimacy. And that's how God wants us to relate to him. He wants to be known by us. He wants us to have those experiences where we're like, I know you are God. And he, he wants us to know that he knows us. So this transactional wording, like this transactional, like God, okay, I did what you wanted me to do. And then he's like, okay, here's the next batch of stuff I want you to do. That's not how this is. That's not how this is. It's not transactional. It's very intimate. It's very, it's very, um, he's very involved in the details of our life. Yeah, I want you to hear that. It's not transactional, it's relational. In fact, I want to take you to a passage in John 14 to kind of close the message with here. Um, Jesus when he's speaking to his disciples in verse 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask any, me anything in my name, I will do it. 
Now, I don't know how you read that, but I used to read that, probably younger in the faith when I first read this and thought God was more transactional in nature. It's like, okay, I just ask for a request. He answers my request. Uh, we're, we're far away. He kind of sends it, delivery to my address type of thing. It's like, you know, as a high school student, I remember reading this going, okay, God, I want a girlfriend, you know, and he'll give me one, you know, and I want to get into this college, you know, and get a really good scholarship, and he'll give me that, and, and I want to, you know, eventually meet a wonderful wife, and, you know, he did that, and mm -hmm. so I, I would read that, that way, whatever you ask my name, this I will answer. That's not what he says. He says, whatever you ask my name, this I will do, meaning the answer to your request is you get Jesus doing it in your life. You get Jesus doing it through your life. And then he says, because in this, the Father would be glorified in the Son. In other words, everyone will go, Jesus is at work in your life and through your life. It's clear it's Jesus and not you doing it. So we're asking God in prayer for all this help, just so you know, what he wants to do is not just help you. He wants to be the helper for you. He wants to come into your life and make himself known to you and commune with you and walk with you and live with you and enable you to do all these things you can't do. In fact, he goes on later to talk about the means by which he's going to do this is his spirit coming to dwell in you. In fact, don't miss it. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, it wasn't just to forgive us of our sins. It was to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It was to make us a holy temple in which God wants to dwell. And then he comes in and he dwells in your life. The answer to your prayer is Jesus. You get him. He is the guidance. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He will be your guide. He said, I'll send you the helper, the spirit, who will come and help you. He will be your help. He, he, he said, you can confess your sins to me. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that you need what he did for you at the cross, that he died and rose again. You'll be saved. He is your help. He is your guide. He is the one you confess to. He is the one who communes with you. This is incredible news. You get God. When you pray, you get God. Isn't that incredible? I'm, I'm blown away. God isn't sending you an answer. He's sending you himself. And he wants to be with you. He doesn't want to leave you alone. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send my spirit who will tell you the Father loves you, and I will be with you, and you will be with me. In fact, his prayer is, Father, as I am in you and you are me, in me, may they be in us so the world would know that you sent me. You know, the greatest testimony we have is not how well we live our life, but who lives our life. And for us, those of us who know Jesus, he lives our life in us and through us. Jesus is our life and our prayer is our acknowledgement that we need him to be our life for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to just learn. I, I love my wife so much. I've learned so much from her. So thankful for the grace you've poured into my life through her. Thank you that we can learn from her today together. Thank you for the beautiful treasure and privilege of prayer. I'm so thankful you are not far away. 
You are near, you are available, you are our helper. We don't have to hide anything from you. You are so gracious and kind to us. Would you give us the freedom to cry out to you today in prayer? Father, if there's anyone here in this room who has never invited you into their life, right now I pray that they would be granted faith to believe that Jesus died for them, that he cleansed them from their sins, that they are, are, are meant to be a temple, a place in which you dwell. Would you come into their life today, Lord? Lord, for the rest of us who we know that, but we forget it, we hide stuff from you, we, we run from you, we go to you only when we think we need you, Lord, remind us that we need you every hour. Every hour we need you. So we invite you into our life through prayer to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.